Jesus, we shout your name. Jesus, we make your praise glorious. You are glorious.
That's the one thing I know that God's called me to do is preach the word. And you know, sometimes you walk into the house of God and you feel like you failed God in this way. I've watched uh, heads of state and individuals go visit, visit the White House through many different administrations. They put on their best clothes and their best attitude and their excitement, their anticipation to pull up into the courts of the White House. People visit London to go visit royalty and to walk into the courts of the palace. Man, when are, are we going to get reverent to walk into the house of God, into the courts of God's presence? Have you ever felt like you just failed him when you haven't given him all the worship that he deserves? When we're singing and praising and honor the king above every king, the king above every president, the king above every palace, the king of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. The Bible says, come into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. In church tonight, we can't open the word until there's thanksgiving in the house and there's praise. Who's thankful for salvation in the home? Who's thankful for healing and virtue? Who's thankful God restored you and you didn't deserve it? Who's thankful that God can raise you up out of the sin-sick world that we live in? Come on, tonight, let's enter his courts right now with thanksgiving. Jesus, we worship you. Church, come on. Don't let the worship team worship him without you. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. some things and some lives in this place you know there's some people in the, in the house that that uh, have sown some things and we've done some things over the course of our life that we've just asked God over the years to reverse or turn it around and there's some things that we do that we're not aware of we've done them in front of our children or maybe our children has They've been exposed to things that we didn't expose them to necessarily as parents or as grandparents, but they've seen things at school, at the television, and seeds have been sown into their life. And tonight, I believe this is going to be a night where God is going to uproot some things in some people's lives that need to be uprooted. He's going to change and reverse some things that need to be reversed. I believe that God tonight is going to change the destiny of some people. Not only in this place, but that are watching around the world. There's some people right now that are fixated on something that's going on out in Arizona. But I'm going to tell you, there's some people right now that are glued to their television screens or to their phones or their computers. Because they're desperate for God to change something in their life. An online campus right now, I'm telling you, God's going to turn some things around tonight in your life and in your home, in your business. But we have to understand the precepts and the principles of God's word. And we have to understand the teaching of his word. There's only one way things can be uprooted, and I'm going to get to that in just a few moments, but I want you just to lift your hands all over the place. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, God, as your word is declared and the bread of life is delivered from heaven, God, into our spirit, I pray, Lord, that you would reverse some things.
turn some things around. God, things we deserve, keep them from us. And God, continue to give us what we don't deserve. Your grace, God, that abounds forever and always. I pray, Lord Jesus, tonight expose, bring to the surface, in the forefront of our mind right now, God, things that we didn't even know that we've done. That, Lord, you can begin to uproot tonight so that, God, we can experience the glory like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would open your Bibles. Thank you, worship team. Come on, give tonight our worship arts ministry a hand. We're so excited about what God's doing through their ministry. And open your Bibles to Genesis 8 and verse 22. And, you know, I, I, something that I'm excited about in my life is, is knowing that we don't have to live under the law. And uh, often I pray and we come to church, we don't have to put sacrifices on the altar, go to the temple, and uh, we don't have to seek out a priest. Uh, we can bring our burdens to Jesus and we can lay our sacrifices at the altar in here spiritually and we can pray wherever it is that we pray and God honors that. We don't live under the law, but there are, there are laws and precepts with God that are still in motion. And there are, there are things that God put in place that have never gone away and they will not go away as long as the earth remains. In Genesis 8.22 it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. You may be seated. You can go ahead and open up uh, and flip over to Galatians 6. And there's a lot of scripture tonight. I have it on the screen behind me. Hopefully, hopefully they can keep up. Uh, because uh, it's just going to take a lot of scripture tonight to, to teach and to help us to understand uh, a principle that God teaches thoroughly uh, from Genesis to Revelation. It's, it's a, such an incredible concept, such an incredible law, uh, according to the word of God and in the, in the Christian faith. That even the world recognizes this law, and they call it something different. I remember as a kid growing up, uh, I would hear some of my family say to me, uh, and it was often in reference to the way I was acting as a spoiled kid, and, and uh, maybe as a little bit of a brat, and uh, maybe doing some things I shouldn't be doing. Uh, my parents would always say to me, one day, what goes around comes around, you're going to have a kid just like you. And, uh, and you know, you always hear the world, uh, they always reference uh, in the way that they know, because it is true. What you send out or what you sow will always come back to you. The world sees this happening all the time. And obviously, God put this law in motion. So the world explains that what goes around comes around. The word of God says, what you sow, you will reap. And we're going to go through a few examples tonight in the word of God. Uh, but before we do, I want to read Galatians uh, 6, verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Ladies are sitting there now going, praise God, it says, whatever a man sows, that will he reap. <laughs> Ladies, this is for you too. Uh, that word man means, literally in the Greek, it means all of creation, means all humans, all men and women. Uh, it, it means we all sow, we all will reap. And, and Paul is reiterating something that uh, has, has began in Genesis and we see it uh, just flow right through Revelation. You know, you may feel right now that you can't catch a break and so many people feel that they can't get the right job, they uh, can't get the right uh, raise, they, their family is, just can't seem to get over that hurdle in their life and they just cannot, uh, nothing ever goes right for them, they can't seem to get ahead. How many people know someone like that or maybe you've been there before? Well, I'm going to tell you tonight if that's you, there's good news. You can change what you reap by changing what you sow. You can change what you reap by changing what you sow. If you're having trouble making friends, you might want to check yourself because maybe you're having a hard time being friendly. 
The Bible teaches us that if you show yourself friendly, you'll make friends. If you're having a hard time building relationships, maybe we need to do some self-analysis of what's going on on the inward of us. If, and the inward of us. if you sow rejection, you will also reap rejection. It's amazing the people that are hard, cold, and bitter in their life that walk away from situations talking about how other people are hard, cold, and bitter. Because people are reaping what they're sowing. The person that says, no one takes time with me, well, that person is probably not taking time with other people. You maybe see people uh, and think that people don't understand you and where you are, but maybe we need to check ourselves and maybe it is we don't understand other people. If you don't give, great, give grace to people and, get, and grant grace to others, consequently, people are not going to give grace back to you. But again, you can change tonight what you reap by changing what you sow. I want to talk about one quick law in the New Testament about sowing forgiveness and mercy into people's lives. And this is found in Luke 6, 37 and 38, because it's probably one of the greatest travesties that I see in people's life. I remember when I was a little kid pouring myself milks one time over my cereal. I was probably 9 or 10 years old, and, and I remember pouring the milk, and, and, uh, and you know, you just grab the milk out of the fridge and pour it over, and maybe I was looking off at something else and didn't notice the chunks that were coming out of the milk over my cereal. And as I proceeded to eat the spoonful of Frosted flakes or whatever it was, I put it in my mouth and spit it all over the room. And, and I looked around the room and the rest of my family kind of looked at me and thought, you know, what in the world are you doing? I drank and ate some sour milk, but that sour milk only affected me, no one else in the room. They could see the effects of the sour milk that I ate and I partook of, but the sour milk didn't affect anyone else. It's amazing how many times we're bitter, we hold animosity, frustrations at people. But the only one that's sour is the one that's partaking of the bitterness. The people that are out that you're bitter at that has no idea sometimes that you're even bitter at them, they're going on through their life while you're the one sitting back sucking on the sour milk, so to speak. It says in Luke 6, 37 and 38, it says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will he put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I'm not sure about you, but I need some forgiveness in my life. And the amount of forgiveness the Word of God teaches us, the amount of forgiveness we sow in our lives is the amount of forgiveness that will be shown to us. And if through our life, as someone uh, does something wrong in our life, and, and, and recently, or a few years ago, I was speaking with a gentleman, and sadly, someone had sown uh, years ago some venomous words into his life. And, and I watched over the course of his life how those venomous words dictated uh, his job, his marriage, the way that he fathered his kids. And, and you watched how he couldn't hold a job, and his marriage broke apart, and he's never since then been in a successful relationship. And his child and he have an estranged relationship, and, and, and this is all stemming back to some venomous words that were spoken to his life years ago and there's a lot of bitterness and there's a lot of animosity that stems back in his own life to those people that said those things to him. And not only did the ones that sowed things into him, no, matter, no one knows what's going on in their life, but what they sowed into his life, he's choosing now to sow seed of, of bitterness and animosity. And when we stand before God, the amount of forgiveness that we show others is the amount of forgiveness that God will show unto us. So forgiveness in people's lives. It, it costs too much to be bitter. It costs too much to hold animosity. 
It costs too much. It costs anointing. It costs you an opportunity to reach out to your kids. How can you ever teach your child to forgive one of your other children if you yourself can't forgive an ex-husband, an ex-wife, a mother, a father, another sibling in your life? How can we ever teach? We're sowing seeds in the generations down the road if they don't see the example for forgiveness in our own life. Sowing money into the eternal garden of heaven. This is a precept with God in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 8, it says, But I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not begrudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful or a hilarious giver. And God is able, and I want you to listen to this, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, not just money, but everyone say it with me, say all things. Say all things. You hear sometimes people in ministries on television, and I'll never call those out by name, that say if you sow $1,000 into this, and God will heal your son, and if you sow, sow this multitude of money or this much money, God will save these people in your life. And, and nowhere can you find that in Scripture. And many times it turns the stomach of people that come into the church and they question all ministries. They question the integrity of all churches and all pastors. And there's always the question in the back of their head, can they trust? Well, I'm telling you this. Number one, I know that you can trust what goes on in this church and the integrity of this ministry. It's extremely transparent and you can always see for yourself what goes on and where your money goes. You see the ministries. But I'll tell you this. Your responsibility stops at the giving. We don't question what man does or even what God does after that. We just trust when we give God and all his sufficiency, he's got our back in all things. We watch sometimes in Hollywood and see, not understanding this law of sowing and reaping, we wonder how do the people in Hollywood and entertainers and even athletes that don't serve God, maybe even curse God or bow their knee to another God, how in the world are they rich and wealthy? They don't tithe and how do they get an abundance? It's because... The same thing that happens in this scripture in blessing, the inverse happens with curses. Maybe they're not seeing the curse on their finances, but they're seeing curses in other ways. They're seeing it not only in their own life, but they're seeing the lack of sufficiency in all things in their family, in their marriages, in their children. This inverse works, and you can see in people like Robin Williams, for instance. You see him, he has all the wealth in the world when he lived on this earth. He had a beautiful home, multiple homes, multiple cars, had a family. He had everything that you could imagine. He made, and many said, was the, the greatest comedian of his generation. That over two billion people were exposed to his movies and his stand-up comedy and all that he did. That Robin Williams reached over two billion people, the military, all that he did. And it's amazing that someone can make two billion people laugh. But in the privacy of his own room, where no one else is around with all that wealth, with a great family, he couldn't even make himself laugh. He had no peace. Because he didn't understand the life of sowing, not only materially and financially, but sowing his life into kingdom work. He never had the sufficiency of all things in his life. So he liked the peace. He liked the wherewithal that we understand that when we're in God, he gives us a peace that passes all understanding. Whitney Houston. Raised in church, singing in choirs and leading churches in worship. And even in weeks prior to her going uh, and her passing away from this earth, she was singing uh, hymns and songs in large congregations in Georgia and other places. 
but her life was filled with drugs and abuse and, and marital issues. And with her treasures in this world and all that she had, all the wealth, all of the fame, she died in a bathtub without any peace and without any hope. And then as you just read yesterday in the newspaper, her daughter, almost three years to the day, passes out and becomes unconscious in the exact same state that her mother was in. Her mother sowed seeds that were even being reaped in her children. Not sufficiency in all things because she wasn't sowing, not only financially, but not sowing the things that God mandated of her life. God gave her the ability to sing because God wanted to use that gift and that anointing in the church. But she spent it in the world. And when the enemy's done, when the enemy's done with you as a missionary, he don't need you anymore. He can do away with you. And either we're a missionary for a God or we're a missionary for the enemy. And Whitney, unfortunately, unfortunately, she spent her gift out reaching the people in the world and not the people in the church. And that seed has now been harvested in her own children. Trusting God to so bountifully carries the promise of Jehovah God, of having the sufficiency of all things. And you know what that means? That means not only financially, but seeing your sons and daughters come home in 2015. Sufficiency in all things. When you're faithful in the tithe, God is faithful in his promise in all things. Not only will God make sure that you're taken care of and your checkbooks are balances, balancing and your, your banking account is where it needs to be and your, your job is stable, but God is looking out for your children when no one else is. God is giving provision when you're driving down the road and maybe the last thing on your mind or maybe you didn't even pray that morning, but God pre pre prevents an 18-wheeler from coming on head-on hits you because God allows sufficiency in all things because you're faithful and you don't sow sparingly so you don't reap sparingly. I don't know about you, but I don't want to reap in some things. I want to sow financially so that I can reap in all things. Can you say amen tonight? I'm so, I'm so thankful. The other day, my dad was here at the church, and he came in the front door, talked to him, and he's, he's helping uh, to, to, to do something here at the church, volunteer some time. And, 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 I, and I was just talking to dad, and I was thinking to myself, wow. I was looking at a miracle before me as he was talking about his church that he lives in Georgia, and, and, and he's serving in the ministry, and he, he cuts the grass for the church and helps feed uh, and different things in the church, and he puts up drywall, and he fixes this and fixes that. And I'm listening to him. All he talked about was the church, the church, the church. And, and 17 years ago, my dad was an alcoholic. My dad was in the newspaper right here on Lane Avenue. He walked into Shoney's on his way to work one morning at 6 o'clock, and, and he went back to the bathroom. And while he was in the bathroom, he came out of the bathroom, and, and, and everyone was gone out of the Shoney's. Everyone was gone. He, 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 I remember him in the article. It said that cigarettes were still in the ashtrays, and at the time, you could still smoke in restaurants. And he said he saw the smoke coming up from the ashtray, and he saw uh, at the buffet counter, he said he saw, you know, plates of food, and he saw, and, and there's just coats and all that's just left. He said, what in the world? And he looked around, and he said it just hit him. He said, oh, my goodness. Jesus came back. <laughs> and he hit his knees, and he said, Lord, forgive me. And then he heard some commotion in the back. It's a true story. The Florida Times Union did a story on it. He went back to the back, he heard the commotion, and all of the entire restaurant had put, been put in the cooler, and he let them out, it had been robbed, and he let them all out, and, it's like, and, and they're all going, thank you, thank you, thank you. He's going, dear God, thank you, I didn't miss the rapture, you know. <laughs> and so my dad that goes from a place like that, now my dad's serving in the church, and you know what I, what I, what I, what I say about that is that God, when I am sowing in, into the Lord's work, financially, with my gifts, with my talents, when I'm sowing bountifully, I'm going to reap bountifully in all things. Not some things, but everyone say all things. All things. Amen.
my brother Ronnie, that teaches Sunday school with me in the high school class, he said something a couple of week, weeks ago to my class I have to repeat. He said that, you know, many times we have questions before God. God, why does this happen to this person? Why, why do, to, to, do, do good people die and good people get sick? And, and all these questions that abound in the younger generation that we have before God, and many of them, it's the hindrance from them serving God. And he said, but you know what questions are important? It's not the questions we have for God, but it's the questions that when we stand before him that God has for us. Questions like this. He went on to ask us what kind of car you drove. He'll ask you how many people you drove to church in your car. Not how big our homes are, but how many people did we invite into our home to meet Jesus? Not how big our salaries were, but how much of the kingdom of God did we build with that salary? I challenge you tonight to sow big, sow bountifully, so that you reap bountifully in your life. Amen? Sowing sin will reap devastation. Lying in deceit. And I'm going to try to quickly go through this. I know that I'm not going to be able to get through all of this tonight. There are so many examples in scripture. But in Genesis 27, 1 through 45, and you're very familiar. And those of you that are reading through the Bible and the year you've re read this in recent weeks. And you're very familiar with this passage and this story. But God has just begun to show me that in scripture just this principle of sowing and reaping. And, and you see it so clearly in Jacob and Esau and Isaac in this story, and I don't have time to read the entire text, but I'll read you this one verse in 35 because it shows the deceit in Jacob's life and stealing the birthright. It says in verse 35, but he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. Isaac says this, meaning Jacob deceived him to get the blessing. Jacob sowed deception in receiving the birthright of his brother. You know the whole story, you know the scheme and the plot that Jacob and his mother put together so that he could go in and steal this birthright. But where I want you to really look and see and draw your attention to is in Genesis 29, 21 through 25. Because you see where deception is sown in his own life. And we focus on Jacob wrestling with God and God changing Jacob's name to Israel. And we, we focus on how Jacob then was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. It was incredible. But watch how the deception he sowed then would come to fruition in his own life. In Genesis 29, 21 through 25. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled. He had worked and slaved for years that I might go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And when he went into her, and Laban gave him his maid, Zilpah, to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? Jacob reaped. What he sowed. Jacob went in with his scheme to steal his brother's birthright. And little did he know he was sowing a seed that he would reap the deception on how his wife would come to him later on in life. Even people that are living in the church have to be careful and understand this principle. That living and walking in the abundance of your life. Understand the sowing and reaping principle is on our life. And it's on your life in every decision Every choice that we make with our family, with the way that we talk, the places that we go, our life is a sowing and a reaping process. Jacob sowed deception and he reaped deception. It says in Hosea 8 and 7, it says, 
says, you sow to the wind and you shall reap the whirlwind. Now I want to show you just a few more of Jacob sowing seeds and watch what happens. Now if you remember Jacob, his name's been changed to Israel. He wrestled with God and this is incredible. He's, he has sons and he has the 12 tribes of Israel out of his, out of his lineage. But look what even happens. Is, and, and everyone you hear preaching about Judah. People love to preach on Judah, the son Judah, and, and what he did, and his name means praise. And Judah would go before the other 12 tribes, and he would lead in praise and worship. And it's a powerful story, and it's true, and it's what took place. And, and he has a powerful place in the kingdom, and he's one of the tribes, the father of the tribe of Judah. But even now, look how Judah, in Genesis 38, Jacob's son Judah has a daughter-in-law named Tamar. You know the story. Tamar has, a, has been widowed by her husband, which is Judah's son. And she takes off her widow's clothes, she covers her face with a veil, and hides her identity to deceive Judah. He sleeps with his daughter-in-law, and she conceives twins. Jacob's seed of sown of deception in his life has now been reaped in his wife, and now he's seeing it in his kids. Judah now has been deceived by his daughter-in-law, and now she's impregnated by him. Because he, deceived, he was deceived by her. Be careful the seeds that you sow, how they affect the future generations. Your children are watching you. Not only sometimes do they not see what we do, but imagine sometimes the choices that we make or the things that we expose ourselves to, the demons and the demonic spirits that you invite into your home, that you invite into your car, that you invite into your workplace. You don't ever want demons to be more familiar with your children than Jesus. Demons of pornography. Demons of alcoholism. Demons of secret lust. Things that nobody knows about. It's just you and Jesus. It's just you and your lonesome. You and your phone or you and your computer. Or, or, or in some man in this room, there's something that your wife doesn't know about. No, the pastor doesn't know about it. But I'm here to tell you today, the demons that you are inviting into your home are familiarizing themselves with your children. They're now familiar with your grandchildren. They're familiar with your family. Your kids may not see it, and you may keep it covered from their eyes. Maybe you pull the veil over their eyes, and you deceive them. But it's going to affect, I promise you, the law of sowing and reaping will be in effect in your home. Verse 39, you know the story of Joseph well. Joseph is one of the sons of, of, of Jacob that is faithful, and he's so faithful that his brothers put him in the pit, and they give him the coat of many colors. You know the story, but even Joseph in Genesis 39, he's innocently working, and he's loyal to Potiphar. He's led into a trap of deception by Potiphar's wife, where she seduces him, then he flees from her, doing what God would mandate of his life, and then he's lied about, and he's in prison. Be careful what you sow, because one day it will be reaped in your family. Can you say amen? amen. Sowing in wild lust, 2 Samuel 11.4. David calls Bathsheba up to his room and from the seed of his thoughts. Scripture is clear that there's, there's three ways that the enemy is going to attack us. He's going to attack us through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And with these three things, he has three goals, to kill, steal, and destroy. And what's amazing is you can see all of this play out in just David's life in this one story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. You can see where he lusts with his eyes, and then he calls her to his room, and he lusts with his flesh. 
And then after he sleeps with her, it's almost two years before he repents of his sin because of the pride in his life. And because of the lust of the eyes, then bearing fruit and that seed going into the flesh, and then he commits the lust of the flesh and then the pride of life. He then is successful, and the enemy, through David's life, is successful in stealing, killing, and destroying. He steals a man's wife. He kills a man. He destroys a marriage. And David, consequently in his life, you see the seeds that he sows, you see them come back into his life. He takes Bathsheba into his house, and you know the story, you see what happens in 2 Samuel 12 and 11. Calamity is brought into his home. The baby that is conceived in Bathsheba dies. When the baby in Bathsheba gives birth, 2 Samuel 13 and 14, watch how this plays out in his children. In the very next chapter, not only does the baby that's conceived in the womb die, then Amnon, one of his sons, rapes his daughter Tamar. The lust that David had, what, you, what, your, what your kids, what our grandkids, what people see in our life, the example that we give. That there, he, David's kids saw this, this, this example, and the seed sown spiritually, it's sown in the natural. They witnessed this with their own eyes. They know that their dad has slept with another man's wife. They know that their father had this man killed Uriah. They understand what their dad is up to and what their dad is involved in. Amnon is caught with the same lust. The seeds are now bearing fruit in his life. He rapes his own sister. He takes her innocence, her virginity. Tamar's life's then destroyed. Absalom finds out what he does, and then he kills Amnon. Absalom then is filled with the same pride that his dad was filled with at one time. He tries to overthrow his dad, and he, he then because of his own sowing seed and reaping what he had planted, then he is hung in a tree by his hair, and he dies. David killed Uriah, then he watches his son dies. Can you imagine that moment when David sat back and thought, what in the world did I do? The sowing and the reaping process must have been coming to a lot, coming alive in David's heart. And, and you know the psalm that he wrote, Psalm 51, you know the prayer to God that he prayed. But see, there's things that we sow in the natural that we have to watch the consequences unravel and there's nothing we can do about it. I was in jail a few weeks ago talking to this guy and he said, you know what, listen, God's changed my life. He saved me. I know that I'm saved. He said, I know I'm going to stand before a judge. He said, everybody in this place is saying that God's going to get them off. And, and some of them are on trial, <clears throat> excuse me, for murder. Some are on trial for, for, for whatever. And he says, I know that they're going for the judge, and they think the judge is going to let them off. He says, but you know what? I know that, that, that my reward is in heaven. He says, I know the seed that I've sown. This is what came out of his mouth. He th said, I know the seed that I've sown. I'm going to reap before the judge in the natural he said, but I thank God that he's uprooted in the spiritual what I've done. And he's, he's, he's wiped out all of my sins and blotted out my transgressions that now I can stand before him. And I can have eternity in him. Maybe never freedom again in this life, but I'll know freedom in heaven for all of eternity. And it's sad to sit there and listen to a guy behind bars have more of an understanding of, of the sowing and reaping in the natural. You've seen people before that have slept with their boyfriend or their girlfriend before marriage and there's pregnancy that, and there's a baby conceived and they're going, God, something's got to happen. God, you got to, God, I got to hide this. There is natural repercussions for the seed that we sow. We're going to reap what we sow in the natural. But I'm here to tell you tonight in just a few minutes, I'm going to say to you in closing, there's some good news tonight. Can you say amen? I just want to just show you a couple of things and, and I don't have time to go into all these stories, but Cain, Cain spilled his brother's blood. And when God encountered Cain, he said, Cain, he said, where's your brother Abel? He begins to have a conversation, and God, as if he didn't know, he says, you know what? I hear the blood of your brother 
the ground cries out to me. His blood is literally screaming out of the, the ground at God. And then he puts a curse on Cain and he says, Cain, he says, your harvest, the fruit that you plant in the ground will never, ever come up. He sowed death into the earth and he says, death, you will now reap. You will never, ever get a harvest now. Cain saw, because of what he saw, he saw in his own Crops and, and the lack thereof because of the blood he had sown into the ground. Noah, it's a powerful, powerful story. And there's so much in this story with Noah. But when he, when he comes off the ark, he goes into the tent and he's, he's drunk and he's, he, he's there laying naked. And his son Ham walks in and he finds his father in his nakedness. And he walks out and what does he do? He, he goes to his brothers and he tells his brother, brothers about it. He, and maybe in a joking way, maybe in a mockery. And his brothers go into the tent and, they, and the Bible says reverently, they walk in backwards and they cover their father in his nakedness with a blanket. And when Noah sobered up, he came out of the tent. And if you recall the story, he says to Ham, he said, Ham, cursed, cursed is Canaan. Cursed is everywhere you go. He put a curse on Canaan. And if you follow and look at Canaan, Canaan eventually would encompass Sodom and Gomorrah. It would encompass Gaza, which still today, there's hostility against Israel. Because of the seed that Ham sowed in his life, still today we see the effects of the seed that he sowed. Be careful for the generations to come. Justin, you can come to the keys if you would, and I'm going to be quick because I want to get to the end. Abraham sleeps with Hagar. Stepping out the plan of God that God had promised him. And, and this is a scary thing to me because we watch people many times in our Christian life. We watch people that, that create Ishmael's, and it's, it's a travesty. It's, a, it's an absolute travesty. Because people take the will of God out of impatience into their own hands. And they do things that they, out of their own selfish ambitions or, uh, and taking the, what God has maybe promised them, they take it into their own hands. Or maybe they just step out of the will of God completely and they create Ishmael's. And then running in your life parallel with the call of God and the mandate, the purpose, the destiny God created you for, the Isaac blessing on your life, the, the, the reason why you were created. The Ishmael is haunting your Isaac your entire life. Abraham stepped out of the will of God. He created an Ishmael, sowed that seed of Ishmael. And then he asked him to leave years later. And you know what's so incredible about the story and something that stuck out to me this year reading through the Bible? I've never seen this before. But when, when he had Ishmael, when Ishmael was actually born, Abraham was 86 years old. And in the very next verse, the very next chapter, it starts off and says, Abraham was 99 years old and God came to him. There was a 13-year dead time of God's presence in Abraham's life. I don't know about you, but I can't afford any dead time from God in my life. Abraham created an Ishmael. God is absent from Abraham's life for 13 years. He comes back to him, and I don't know all of the meanings. I know that Abraham means father of many nations, and, and that's what, what that means. But when God comes to him, if you notice, right at that place, that's when he changes his name. Was it because God looked at him and says, the covenant I made with Abram, you messed it up. So I'm going to change your name now to Abraham, the father of many nations, and let's try this again. And he actually goes on to restate the covenant, and he says, as for me. God's saying, as for me, meaning I will follow through just as I said before. As for me, I will always uphold my end of the bargain. I will always be faithful in my word. My word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
as for me, this is my covenant. And then a few verses later, he says, now Abraham, as for you. Make sure that you circumcise. Make sure that he gives them this whole covenant and this, this mandate on his life. Circumcision not only of the foreskin, but circumcision of the heart. And this day is a necessity of our life. He says, Abraham, as for you. And tonight, I believe that God's saying that over all of our lives. He's saying, as for me, I'm going to be faithful in the small things and the big things. I'm going to be faithful in the bountiful blessings in your life. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to meet your needs in all sufficiency, in all things. But as for you, what are you going to do? What are you doing with your eyes? What are you doing with your ears? What are you doing with your mind? Where's your thought life? What's going on in the secret places that husbands and wives and kids don't know anything about? What's going on? What, what are we sowing? The great and wonderful news of God's kingdom is that there's one way, and there's only one way that we don't have to reap. It says in Galatians 3.13 and 14, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Man, church, come on, stand on your feet tonight. Come on, has anybody been redeemed? He's redeemed us from the curse. The things that we deserve, God can uproot them. And God can replace it with things that we don't deserve. There's some things in this place that we have sown that Jesus needs to uproot. I believe before the glory comes into the home, before glory comes into the church, the glory must first come into our individual selves. There must be a reflection, a self-reflection that takes place. God, is there anything in me? Is there any seeds that I'm sowing right now? God, that can be reaped in my home, that can be reaped in my children. God, is there anything that I'm sowing, God, that can reap destruction and devastation? Is it my attitude? Is it my behavior? Is it my lack of giving? Is it my lack of serving? Is it my abundance of sinning? Tonight, God needs to uproot some things. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If anyone be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. And the old passed away and all things become new. I'm going to tell you tonight, the only way that you can break the curse is repentance. Repentance. Judas went running into the temple. He threw in 30 pieces of silver. And you know what he was filled with? He was filled with regret. He was filled with sorrow. He was filled with shame. But you know what separated Judas from the other disciples? No repentance. You can have regret with no repentance. You can have sorrow 
with no repentance. You can have shame with no repentance. But tonight, church, the only thing that's going to bring the glory of God into our lives, our homes, and our individual selves is repentance. Getting the things out that doesn't belong and getting the things that belong in our hearts and lives. The Word of God doesn't come out when we're pressed because we're not reading the Word of God in private. Come on, somebody. We've got to read the Word of God. we got to get in our remembrance. we got to worship. We've got to get on our face. We've got to get the things out if we want the glory of God. I want every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. Jesus, we want the glory. We want the glory. We want the glory. And God, I know that the glory, the only way it can ever be achieved, God, the thing that we can do to deal with us is we have to repent. The things that we've sown, the things that we've done. And God, so we don't see them manifested in our children. God, tonight, uproot some things that don't belong. God, uproot some things, God, that we've sown. In Jesus' name, come on, some tonight, if you have some things in your life you need to repent of, and you need Jesus to uproot some seed you've sown, if that's you, I want you to immediately move from where you're standing. I want you to come to the altar. Come on, tonight, we need to get on our knees and repent of some things and get them out of our life instantly. Come on, now, 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 now. We've got to get some things out tonight. Jesus, in this house, I pray that you would begin to flow. God, as only you can. Lord, there's some things in us that don't belong. There's some things in us, God, that we know is a disgrace, God, and it's abominable in your sight. Lord, I pray that right now that you would begin to replace God's sin, God, with hope. God, replace, Lord, I pray, the degradation of our life, Jesus, with a dedication and a loyalty to you. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to say this tonight. There are people that are sowing seeds. And I mention this tonight, to not pick on anybody, to not call anyone out. But there are people in this room that in a secret place, you're watching pornography. Tonight, you need to repent. There's people in this place that there's secret things going on that nobody else knows about. There's things that you have sown years ago. And tonight, you need to pray that God uproots that. We're not going to belabor this tonight, but in this place right now, where you are at these altars, you need to make a place that you give your heart and life to Jesus, afresh and anew, and say, Lord, I repent of those things in Jesus' name. As we sing through this tonight, come on, I just want you to be in a place where your mind and your heart is in a place, and say, Lord, even show me some things that need to be uprooted in my life, things I've sown over the years, oh God. I don't want any Ishmaels. I don't want any Ishmaels. I don't want to see the Judas and the Josephs of my children dealing with issues. Uproot some things in Jesus' name.
I'm going to worship tonight the one who broke the curse. also an incredible blessing on our life. You sow good things, you reap awesome things in the kingdom. This last week, we left my son's basketball game and he got into the car and he's been bringing a few friends with him to church and, and he said, he said, Dad, you think if I can get my whole basketball team, you can get a bus and come out and pick up my, my basketball team and bring him to church. I just thought to myself, God, thank you that the seed time and harvest, it also works that when you sow seed over your life, you watch it reap in your generations. Amen. You sow good things, you serve, you give, and you watch your children serve and give. I want you to lift your hands up tonight. Let's pray over our children, our grandchildren. Let's pray that the good, the serving, the church attendance, faithful on a Sunday night. Let's pray that what we do, that God would allow these seeds 
God would allow it to come back 100-fold in the future generations. God, I pray right now for the hands that are lifted up in this place. I pray for faithful moms and dads and grandparents that have sown incredible seeds, oh God. I pray for godly, God heritage and incredible godless, godless godliness and righteousness and holiness. God, I pray for those that have set themselves apart unto you, oh God. I pray for the sons and daughters, God, of the future generation to see the moms and dads of this room. God, that they would become deacons and pastors and worship leaders. God, with a greater love and appreciation for the things of God than ever before. In Jesus' name, I speak that over this room right now. And I bless this room, God, that the seeds we sow, God, I pray, Lord, let our family, our friends, God, all of those, Lord, in future generations reap. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand tonight. We bless you, Lord.